And this is the Ronnie and Friends Hour. And on today's show, Ronnie will be bringing you Mr. Forrest S. I'm not going to chop the name up tonight, so let's just call him Mr. Forrest S. And we'll be talking about part two of the conversation that was discussed about two or three weeks ago. Here's Ronnie and Mr. Forrest S. Thank you, hon. I, I got to tell you, Forrest, um, he, Greg asked me earlier about how to pronounce your name, and I told him my little mind trick for this. I said, uh, you take a step, and now you can ski. <laughs> Pretty close, yeah. Um, my fifth grade teacher used to actually give instructions on how to say my name, believe it or not. And this mm-hmm. first, yeah, she used to say, first you step, now ski. Mm. So it was just three words put together. Stepnowski. Yep. <laughs> yeah, one of those names. <laughs> That's what it is. So how have you been since the last time you were here? Oh, my goodness. I have been doing very well. Um, I, my non-writer life has been very, very busy. I am about to open up a new program that's licensed with the state on behavior health and dementia care and we're starting to admit as of tomorrow so my life pretty much has been on hold outside of that pocket except for my writing Um, uh, but i did get some of another book that i'm working on to be coming out in june um i got that halfway done and i'm working on more writings from that so i'm excited about that Okay, now we um, know we need some details on that. What was that? I said, you know we want some details on that. Oh, yes, yes. Well, this one is not like my first book. It's a little bit more, um, some would say risque, uh, definitely a little bit more uh, on the erotic side, um, but still LGBT-focused, uh, specifically gay-male-focused. Gay it's called Bound. Um, and it should be out by the end of May. I like the title. <laughs> Many people who've heard it so far and seem to be enjoying it. <laughs> well, let, let, let us not forget, you know, the wall of death in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. I have a feeling I will like that book a great deal. <laughs> I, I do believe you probably will, too, yes. Um, anyone who has ever been to the Eagle, the Cuff, in Seattle, or either locally, there's a store called Castle Superstore, will probably enjoy this book in one way, shape, or form. <laughs> something about your your poetry and the inspiration behind it the poems that you write is this all stuff that is um you know involved somehow in your life or are you ever walking down the street and you see a cute little puppy playing with a ball and you think gee i could write about that you know what i mean so inspired by um things around me. I would say probably 20% of my poetry is based on that. 80% is based on things that have occurred in my life. Um, uh, That's all of my writing in general that has been inspired or 
is directly involved with something that's going on in my life or was during the time that I wrote that poetic work or sort of story. Right. I think with me, my numbers are a little more, I don't know, maybe going the other way because there is a part. I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Most of Uh, my stuff is kind of inspired by real things or, you know, there's, there's real places and people with different names put into my work but especially the drill series i would say that's probably maybe 30 percent of my own experiences and the rest of it is fiction because it is largely a fiction book but yeah there is some some real stuff in there uh the strip clubs and the girls you know i actually did work with a girl named snow bunny once you did i did and she i really thought that was a fictional name Wow. She was very petite blonde. I mean, not petite and short. She was probably five, six, five, seven, but very slim, very, very pretty, pretty girl, pretty body. And she would go out on stage in this white fur coat, this white rabbit coat, and she called herself Snowbunny. Mm-hmm. How appropriate. <laughs> I have to tell you this. This is too funny. There was another girl that I worked with who kept changing her stage name. Um, one time she went through a whole weekend where she was, um, light waves and it meant light waves. Yes. We have no clue what it meant. It meant something to her. And then following that, she was flash Rocco. I kid you not flash Rocco. So we just started calling her flashlight. We just could not keep up with this girl. <laughs> oh, and I thought drag queens had a hard time with some of their names. Oh, My you, goodness. No, you, you wait till you meet a few strippers in your day, I'll tell you. <laughs> you would not believe the names that these people come up with. So now this new book of yours. Yes. Clearly, um, I don't know much about you in an intimate <laughs> Only reputation, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So, most of what you write comes from your own experiences and what you live with and deal with. Okay, is there some sort of a a closeted, um, a harness and jock strap (laughs) that I don't know anything about? Well, Roddy, we all have had our, um, I was in my late teens and early 20s when I started um, doing drag and getting involved with the gay scene in San Diego, and there may or may not have been some inspiration from that time of my life, yes. I have heard about drag queens in the leather scene. I, I have yeah. heard little whispers about yes. that. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, not so much now. It's not quite my scene now. Um, there is some leather-based um, storytelling in some of my poetry in Bound, but there's also some um, romanticism focus as well. You know, mm-hmm. the fantasies, the uh, running into a stranger in the dark, you know, those types of stories that for some reason, become a gay porn um, dreamboat of a, of a life story. You know, there's 
it's romanticism that we're attached to. Um, actually, the perfect term I would say uh, would be the Hollywood focused of what love is supposed to be. Um, and I actually learned that term from someone who I'm currently seeing. Um, and hopefully he's actually listening tonight. So <laughs> we all look. Yeah, he. Well, he told me he was. So hopefully he is. Okay. Um, but he. Uh, his name is Mark, and I hope he's not embarrassed right now. But I just called him out. <laughs> if, he, if he's not embarrassed now, he certainly will be when he meets your mother. Because I must. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, a lot of people have actually said that so far, so. Um, but a lot of that, the poetry of Columbia has been some of a part of my history. And uh, some of from my friends' history, some stories that have, they have shared with me and stuff like that, of course. Not directly about them, but, you know, some of their fantasies that they've had in their life. Um, meeting that stranger across the bar or... You know, walking down the street and running into somebody, you know, it, there's a lot of spectrum of fantasies that are in the poetry in this next book. Awesome. Uh, you know, I think we all learn a lot about love and romance from our parents, if our parents have, you know, stayed together for a long time. My parents uh, actually grew up across the street from each other, so they met when they were, I think, roughly seven. My parents were the same age. And they met when they were about seven, and they were together until my father passed at 77. So they were together oh, for wow. 70 years. I mean, not married that long, but they were together for 70 years. And I grew up with that, you know, um, that romantic love thing and, and watching my parents interact. And I had a wonderful role model in them as far as what love is supposed to be. Not that I got it. But <laughs> not that, not that traditional, traditional, you know, relationship that that I grew up with. I, I yeah. you know, it, it, I think different generations come along, and each generation has its own ideas of what love is supposed to be. And you know, as times change, I think what people want and need changes. So I don't know, but I, I did always envy what they had managed to have. So. I, I, and I would dare say, right, and I would dare say that they're probably the rarity nowadays. Um, oh, I agree. I did not have that um, role model growing up with both of my parents, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of factors growing up uh, for those who actually read my first poet, my first collection of poetry and short story, uh, Journey to the Rainbow's mm -hmm. End. Um, you learned a lot about me through my childhood, through a lot of the poetic works there. And right. the dissumption that was my childhood, you know, I was emancipated at 15 years old. I raised myself pretty much. I had some family that were involved with my life, but for the most part, it was very hard growing up. And um, I felt alone in my family. And in some ways, I was the black sheep in my family because I didn't think or react to certain ways like some of my other family did. And, uh, you know, I have cousins I'm very close to that are just now coming back into my life that, you know, wish our relationship was different back in the day. 
and I agree wholeheartedly. Um, none of none of us really had that role model of parents having true love and completely being enthralled with each other. You know, uh, the Ozzy and Harriet type of love that you know some people grew up with watching or the Claire or Bill Huxtable if you were from the 80s, you know? Mm -hmm. um, for me, the example I was given about what true love was was actually painful, so I had to create my own in some ways. Um, yes, yeah, some of it was from fantasies and movies and stuff like that, but some of it also had to come from my own imagination. And I think that's why writing has helped me um, find myself as a person, find myself and with the identity of true love, what it means, um, being able to express it so other people can be part of that journey and they can share their own journeys and have their own voice. As you know, um, the purpose of me sharing my writing now at uh, this stage of my life is to help people find their own voice whether it's through their fantasies, whether it's through their coming out and whatever process they are coming out from, not just necessarily LGBT, but, you know, coming out as a survivor from being a battled woman and being in a marriage that was abusive for 20 plus years. You know, I've had that. I've had people come up to me after reading my book saying it helped them through that process. Um, people who think differently than their families, this helped them feel like that they can come up with a way to work through their own demons because of what they were fears of their, what their family or, or even parentals would think of them if they didn't go the same direction as uh, the rest of the family. So, and I think that's very important when I write that I'm able to do that with any sense of whatever I'm writing. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. I think it's important for people to know, regardless of what their situation is, that they're not alone in, in you know, whatever that situation is. I think it's important for people to know that other people are dealing with or have dealt with those same issues or variations of those issues, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I read your book and I thought it was absolutely awesome. And I'm constantly tweeting about it, so. <laughs> I know, and I appreciate that so much. Um, I'm definitely proud to be one of your heathen children. If not well, biological, definitely <laughs> glad to be part of that heathen clan. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> and as you know, it, I, I, I put up publishing that first book for years, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, and if it wasn't for you and for other people last year who said, no, enough, Next year is not happening. It's happening now. <laughs> this first book went in the path. And so it's, but the feedback I've gotten, um, and the last month was just a whirlwind of being one of the uh, RBC's book of the month, author of the month for that first book. It just, the messages I'm getting since that, um, my, my book sales went up. The, the support I'm getting, uh, more people are getting to know my writing style, and I'm being invited to talk more about my my work and stuff like that. Um, I'm being asked again, when's your next book coming out? So I'm like, yes, I'm getting on that. I promise. I promise. I'm working on it. So, um, 
I actually am working on three different book projects, but that's my first priority is that that uh, book bound. So. Well, that is really just awesome. Uh, speaking of, of RRBC, um, in which, in, for those who don't know, is Rave Reviews Book Club, uh, which is an organization that both Forrest and I belong to, um, there are some really amazing um, things being done in the indie world these days. I mean, I can, oh, yeah. thinking back, you know, decades when I first decided I wanted to start writing and I can remember writing all of the submission letters and the query letters and mailing them all out and then waiting for months until you heard back from somebody so that they could tell you, sorry, we have no interest. <laughs> I had a peachy at one point that was, yes, a peachy, I'm dating myself, but I had a peachy that was <laughs> of rejection letters. And I think every writer from, you know, who goes back a ways probably has something similar. And nowadays, my goodness, it's it's so different. It doesn't matter if you find one of the, the big five to have an interest in you or not. I mean, of right. course, that's what we all want, but you can just take your work and publish it yourself and start making your own money from it. And, I mean, it's just so amazing how easy it is. And not just books, but musicians, sure. too. I'm, I'm constantly seeing things on Twitter about people saying, go to iTunes and download my songs, you know? Yeah. Uh, that and there's another one, uh, but yeah, Spotify or something like that. So, absolutely. And the other thing to put out there too is, you know, even those who are able to get through the bigger publishing companies, the game has changed. It's not nearly as focused on the writers as it is the sale. And you know, we invest ourselves into our writing so much. And we invest our own money into getting our books published in some ways, too. But, you know, some of these publisher houses, they, they don't guide the writer like some of these more independent book clubs do. Um, and they don't have fellow writers to have that kinship with, to really work through the process with and have the opportunity to really get their work out there. Because like us with RBC. And then, as, he, as we talked about last month, I am also a member of Real, Reality Poetry International. You know, because of those two venues, we're sharing each other's work out there throughout all the, throughout not just the U.S., but all over the world. Um, because we're able to support each other that way. And we're able to critique each other's writing, and we're able to help each other become better writers because of it. Excuse me. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's just amazing to me how the groups out there are so helping people so much now in getting to be better writers and um, showing us how to get our books marketed. It's Absolutely. a jumping out there. I mean, people who don't write, they, they, I had somebody tell me one time, well, all you got to do is get it up on Amazon and people will buy it. So what's the problem? <laughs> and it's not just that easy, though, you know? And I think that's funny for those people who say that. Because um, they want to get their book published and stuff like that, and they just want to be out there. Okay, cool. But, you know, if you're an artist and you want to share that part of your soul, 
and you want to be able to let other people enjoy that part of your soul. You have to have ways to get it out there, not just put it on Amazon and call it good. There's much more involved with sharing art. Um, oh, speaking of which, congratulations to you for being the RWICA, or SA, um, Featured Writer of the Month. Well, thank you. Thank you. I and well-deserved. That was a complete surprise to me to find that out, and I was just thrilled. <laughs> You know, it, it's funny, I don't think any writer really thinks that their work is as good as maybe sure. other people think it is. I mean, there are writers Very that true. I, I am such a fangirl of. Um, I, of course, along with millions of other people, I'm a complete and total fangirl of Stephen King. Yeah. Um, <laughs> always and there's a few other writers who are... They've been around a long time, and um, they've written mostly in the horror genre, I will admit. I, I do like that particular genre. Uh, yeah, just saying. <laughs> John Saul is one. Um, yeah. And there was another gal, Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough. She wrote a vampire series that just knocked me over. I started reading her stuff in the 70s, and I have wow. been a fan ever since. She does... The uh, historical uh, vampire horror that is so detailed. There have been many times when I have wondered if she wasn't a vampire herself because it seemed like she lived through all of these periods in history, like she was actually there, which, you know, just goes to show what an excellent writer she is. But uh, her books are just incredible. Just incredible. And so, yes, I'm, I'm a fan of her work. But I'm finding a lot of indie authors out there, mostly through the book club, but I am finding a lot of indie authors that I have just fallen in love with their work. And it's, it's amazing to me that anybody can think that there is a difference in quality between indie and, I guess, traditional would be the, the word for the other, because I have read some stuff that had been published by mainstream publishing houses uh -huh. that I could not force myself past the first 10 or 15 pages. It was that bad. I don't know how it ever got published. I really don't. I but, had experienced myself. <laughs> and I've also read mainstream traditionally published books that were absolutely amazing. But speaking of indie books, the same thing. I've read some indie books that were total crap. And I've read some indie books that were as good as anything that the Big Five ever published. So it just goes to show talent is talent. It's just that some of it has not been as recognized as of yet, I think. I would completely agree with that. Um, I will not say the name of the series that came to mind when you were describing the writing that mainstream was put out there with the big publisher companies it became a movie um, and I started reading this series because my daughter when she was in the teenage years like junior high school was into this vampire um, um, vampire book series and I was a little concerned but it was becoming kind of like a cult, cult fashion type of a thing I'm sure you can guess what the movie is now and all well, of the head. Actually, 
Not the one I thought you were going to say. Oh, really? No, I thought you were talking about that god-awful Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Oh, God, no. I couldn't get through that. I couldn't even start the first book, no. I started to read the first book. That's another one. Yeah. Could not do it. Could not do it. That is so badly written right. and not only is it incredibly badly written but my you know I, I don't think you've ever met my friend john but he and i both agree um that it's like this book was written by vanilla people and it's their <laughs> fantasy about what the snm world is about because not a bit of it was accurate yeah it was john and i went to the movie together and we sat there through the whole movie laughing, going, can you believe this crap that they're putting out there? Like, this is how it actually is. Right. Well, the movie for me, the movies for this series of the book I'm talking about, I actually enjoyed a lot more than I did the book. Um, the grammatical stuff, how the book was written, was like a elementary or early adolescent teen wrote it without grammar, without, <clears throat> yeah, it's about vampires and werewolves, I'll put the hint out there, you can all message me later if you hate me for loving the books or whatever, but yeah, I was not a fan of the writing style, it, it was a great storyline, but the writing style and the, the way they were written, I was not a fan of. Um, so, yeah, I think everyone can figure out what, what story lame it is now. <laughs> now, we can go see those movies. Um, Sharon and I went and saw those movies. John, uh -huh. but Sharon and I went and saw those movies. <laughs> and I, I've never read the books. Never read even one of the books. I mm -hmm. did enjoy the movies. And I'll tell you, that kid who played that werewolf, my gosh, uh -huh. he's spooky. I was just yeah. ready to go with the screen whenever he took his shirt off. I mean, and Sharon was right there with me, you know. I mean, we were knocking over the 13-year-olds trying to get down there to lick the screen. <laughs> I am not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we liked the movies. We, we did like the movies. I, 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 I've never read one of the books. Since you enjoyed the movie, do not read the book. I, I will not read the book. That would be my recommendation. And for those who love the books, I'm glad you enjoyed the books. We all have our own preferences and our reading styles and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it's all good. <laughs> Just my personal opinion. I did not enjoy the that storyline <laughs> as it was written. Thank you. Watch <laughs> me get hate mail now. <laughs> All those reasons. How dare you not like the gap? Yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm so sorry. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we will take a quick break now to pay a couple of bills. I will turn this back over to Greg so he can do what he's going to do. Stick with us. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, thank you, Ronnie. This is G.E. Shaw, Mixer Radio tonight. Just going to give you a few station promos and we'll be back with Ronnie. Hello, this is G.E. Shaw once again. If you've been thinking about so learning funny. how to get into a new career dealing with podcasting, online radio, streaming radio, all the different names out there, you ought to try out my friends at Anchor. 
www.anchor.fm. They will they give you the best of everything for podcasting, especially people who are just starting out. Unlimited free hosting, which means you don't pay for it. One click distribution. And this one click distribution gets you to all the major players out there. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, every platform out there. Anchor does all the work. Monetization for podcasts, something new that Anchor has just bought on. If you want your listeners out there listening to you, and they love listening to you, have them make a donation. That's Anchor. And you can record from everywhere. Anchor. www.anchor.fm Check it out. You won't forget it. This is G.E. Shaw. Makes our radio. See you later. Yeah, that's good. That's and good. this is G.E. Shaw, and we're back with Ronnie and Friends. Take it away, Ronnie. Thank you. Okay, Forrest, now that we have totally trashed a couple of the biggest film franchises. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Quite all right. That's what makes this show fun. Uh, I have been yeah. tweeting and posting on Facebook that this show is going to be fun, so at least we're keeping <laughs> our word. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I'm sorry I got on my soapbox about that. <laughs> but there are very good books out there that are very well written, that are um, definitely around the same theme. Uh, for those who haven't read Ronnie's books, definitely or his short stories. You definitely want to check her stuff out. You know, one of my Thank favorite you. things that she writes is Perilous Thirst. And it's talk, talking about a twist to a vampire story. Um, the way, yeah, I'm not going to, you guys just need to read the book. For those who uh, survived the 80s and 90s um, during the HIV epidemic and stuff like that, you guys would love this story. Um, one of my other favorite short stories that you wrote recently was Zombie, Zombie Dawn. I thought that was incredibly written. I personally think that should be turned into more of a novel, because I think there's more that you could, that I know there's more in you that wants to tell more of those story. But that was an incredible story. Well, thank so you. So you like I'm Gore? Actually... <laughs> oh, are you? I'm actually thinking about taking Zombie Dawn and having it be the introduction, like a prologue to a full-length novel Ooh. and then going on from there and uh just to give everybody a little background on a perilous thirst and you may not even know this Forrest, um but another one of my heathen kids back in the 80s uh timothy and i were having a conversation timothy um was very much into Anne Rice and that sort of thing. Yes, And we were having a conversation about uh, vampires, and he said something about he wondered if a vampire drank the blood of somebody who was infected with HIV, what would happen? Since vampires are already undead, they're not going to get sick and die. And so I took that idea and I ran with it and I wrote something called uh, Soliloquy of the Dam. And I showed it to a few people and everybody laughed at me and said, well, Ronnie, 
why would your vampire be worried about HIV tainted blood? Vampires don't get sick. Okay, it was a cute story. I put it away until the last or the second to the last season of True Blood. Did you ever watch uh, True Blood? I love True Blood. Okay, remember when they came up with hepatitis Z? Yes. And it oh was my goodness. And so yes, it did. Hepatitis Z and the vampires were dropping like flies. I thought, you know, maybe people would be ready to read about a vampire who is afraid of drinking blood that has been infected with something. And granted, hepatitis Z was man-made specifically to kill those Correct. vampires. And HIV is is a natural thing. It's, it's you know an organic it's a thing. virus, right? Right. But I I thought I'd give it a shot, so I updated uh, Soliloquy of the Damned. I changed the name to A Perilous Thirst. Um, I changed a little bit of the story, and that was what I uploaded to Amazon. And I don't know if it's because of True Blood or what, but nobody in has ever said to me, "Well, Ronnie, he's a vampire. Why is he worried about you know tainted blood? He can't die." Well, in my book, they don't die, but they just continue to exist, sort of a half-life, while every bit of new blood that they take in is corrupted by the the tainted blood that's already there. So I guess if I was a vampire and looking at living a few more thousand years, that would be a concern to me. Uh (laughs) It's definitely something... Yeah, and it definitely put some thought for focus. And then, you know, I work in healthcare too, so actually I went that way in my thinking too. Of course, you know, thinking about what if, you know, mm-hmm. like you, the, the whole story is just amazing. That was well, thank you. Yeah, that's a, that was, idea was given to me by Timothy, and, you know, Timothy's been gone for a few years now, but yeah. um, I I think that in a way this, story is kind of something that he left behind because if it hadn't been for him um it would never have been written so. and i didn't know it was based on timothy that actually yeah that makes total sense that it is really why does. i was dedicated to him <laughs> oh my god okay yeah. <laughs> but yeah and you know in the book i i wanted to ask you if you have read any good indie books lately? I am in the process of actually reading a couple of them, actually. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Bernard Fung. I have a young, I have, we have read several of his books. He has a series called Harem Boys. Um, I have fallen in love with those books myself. I have actually gotten to know Bernard through this process, becoming the book club, um, talking about a alternative to lifestyle choices or relationship choices. Um, it is definitely, there are definitely stories that will cause some cultural dissonance for some people, um, but I think his legacy and his lifetime is uh, inspired by these books. And the things that he has lived through in his life is simply amazing. And these are definitely stories people want to pick up. Um, let's see. I am. I have one of Sherry's books on my must-read list, so I'm going to say that one. 
Sherry, you know your co-host with your other oh, show. Oh, Shirley, Shirley Slaughter. Shirley, yes, Shirley Slaughter. Um, I have one of her books on ready. Which one? Um, oh, Lord, let me get it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I put him on the spot. <laughs> you did, and I have a long book list right now. I have that not read any of I haven't and read I any Bernard's books as of yet, but I, I have the first one I have on my on my to be read list. Um, did you listen um, the other day when Bernard was on the uh, book club radio show? I was at work, unfortunately, so no. Okay. He got married last year. He and his partner got married last yeah. year. And I, I just thought that was that. so cute. <laughs> well, he's an adorable person himself. He is. And he is such a sweet man. He really and is. Very, very inspirational. For um, anybody who might hot. want to check out his books, his name is Bernard Fong, uh, F-O-O-N-G, and he also writes as Young. Uh, he yes. said one time that that was because a lot of people confuse the two last names, so he just goes by Young. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a harem boys saga, and look it up on Amazon. It's there, and the, I have read bits and pieces of the first book so far because I couldn't wait, so I just kind of skimmed through it. And yes, it is a, a an amazing book. And the whole collection that he has with that series is just amazing. Um, Shirley Harris Slaughter. The next book I'm going to be reading is called Crazy Hot. Oh, I've heard yeah. nothing great things about that, so I'm looking forward to reading that one. I read that one. You are going to like it. It is a lot of fun to read. I also read her first book, um, and I'm drawing a complete blank on the name of it. Um, Our Lady of Victory, I think it's called. And it was about a uh, Catholic church that they were trying to save. And it's really, it's, it's a good book. It's not fiction. And it is really an impressive book to read because I know nothing of the Catholic religion. I know nothing of the churches and whatnot and how all of that works. So it was a real good look for me into a religion that I really know nothing about at all. And I really enjoyed the book. I think I gave it five stars. It was very well written. And I it really check it out. Yeah. It's, it's like and I grew up. Roman Catholic, yeah, well, oh, religion. Uh, I grew up in two different religions, um, Roman Catholic and Orthodox Jew. Well, that's mm. a different story for another time. It explains yeah. a lot, though, doesn't it? Another book I have read from a member of the RBC is called Hounded by Ellie Douglas. Oh, yeah. And I recommended that one to you. You did, and I found it very creative. Um, I, I definitely think there is more to the story with that that's ready to come out, but I, she's another writer like you that enjoys the zombie-esque storylines and stuff like that, I'm finding, and it was very creatively written. I will say one thing about Hounded, and this is why I got it in the first place. I have seen probably every zombie movie that's ever come out. I'm a rabid, and I do mean rabid fan of The Walking Dead. There yes, you are. <laughs> where there was a dog that was infected, 
Um, the dog really didn't have that much to do with the movie, and they ended up shooting it because it was a zombie dog at that point. But Ellie's book is almost entirely focused on the zombie dogs. There is, is. A, an illness that is affecting people, yes, but it's the dogs that it really affects. It, it turns them into the zombies. And so these people are watching their household pets trying to eat them, you know. Yeah. And this, the book is basically about these people trying to understand and deal with what's going on and of course if you're walking down the street and you see this pack of dogs coming towards you you're just going to think it's a pack of dogs you're not going to think that they're going to jump on you and try to rip out your intestines so exactly. there's no different twist on the zombie tale and i really liked i liked it i, I thought it was a and she did a sequel hounded 2 um which uh, I, I have not read that yet yeah, I just got it, so I'll be reading it soon. Um, I have to, since we're talking about some indie books, there's a couple of books I absolutely must rave about. <laughs> um, and if you if you like to read and if you like different types of books, these are some, all of these we're talking about are books that you should definitely check out. Um, there's a gal named Betty Stevens, and that's B-E-T-T-E Stevens. She wrote a book called... Um, pure trash. It's actually a short story uh, about a couple of dirt poor kids, you know, back in the uh, uh, earlier days. And it's the prequel to a book called Dog Bone Soup. And I read Dog oh, Bone Yeah. And I just, I was, I actually read it before I read Pure Trash. And oh, wow. Dog Bone Soup just i was so caught up in that story it is so amazing and so well written um she really is good at what she does and pure trash basically just covers one day in the life of these two brothers and um it's it's a great little story but dog bone soup i highly recommend because it is one of the most amazing books i've read in quite a while and speaking of my personal favorites of amazing books, I could not do this show without mentioning one of my all-time favorite indie reads, which is called Jazz Baby. And Beam. it's by an author named Beam Weeks, and that's B-E-E-M, and then Weeks, W-E-E-K-S. This book is set in the jazz age. And there's this girl, um, if I remember correctly, her name is Emily Ann, and she is um an orphan well sort of an orphan uh but she wants to sing jazz and so she runs away uh to go make her fortune and this book follows her as she goes from these very humble beginnings with a, a broken family and all of this you know dirt poor again and it follows her along through getting to where she's going to be and it's not a pretty story don't get me wrong there are some really horrible things that happened to her. Have you read this one, Forrest? I actually read it a year ago when I joined the club, but I never finished it, and I really was enjoying what I was reading. Um, so I'm actually going to be starting it over. But I am a fan of Green Week's uh, work in general. Yeah, he is an incredible writer. And the thing that I love about Jazz Baby, and I'm not the only person who feels this way because I've read it in several of his reviews and I've heard people talk about it, 
is that he writes so well from the mindset of a little girl. Well, she's not that little. She's probably 13 or 14, I guess. Yeah, but she's bad. I might be a little older than that, but she, she's, you know, early, early to mid-teens. But he writes so well from the mindset of that girl that you might often al- almost think it was a, a female writing the book. Yeah. Which I think is, is hard to do. I've, I've read books written by people who tried to write in the opposite gender, and it just, I don't know, there's just something that doesn't click. And with Jazz Baby, he definitely makes it click. And he's an amazing storyteller. He is. Uh, he wrote another book, a collection of short stories called Slivers of Life, and I read that. And I won't say that every one of those stories grabbed me and riveted me, but several of them did. He is an excellent, excellent writer. And I, I think if, if you like short stories especially, he, he did Slivers of Life, and he just came out with another short story compilation called Strange Highways. I have that one, but I haven't read it yet. But uh, I'm looking forward to it because he is, like I said, he's one of the best indie writers that I have ever read. He's good. I recently ran into a new poet um, who is part of the indie scene, but not through RRBC. I believe his work is with X Libris, Marcus Robertson. And Mm -hmm. if you find any of his work out there, he is a great poet writer, and he likes to use his poetry and create a story with the collection of his poetry through the end. So there's a process in the storyline that he does. So you definitely Ooh. want to check out his stuff there. Um, again, his name is Marcus Robertson. Um, and one of the, I believe he's on Amazon, but I believe it's also Ex Libris, uh, which is mm-hmm. another indie, uh, art, indie press type yeah. organization. I know. <laughs> well, that's where I happened to find his work. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that ex legris is a four letter word to me. But you know, we won't yeah. <clears throat> you know, and there's other groups out there that I would say are pretty bad as well. <laughs> but yeah, but, does normally post their stuff on Amazon. Uh, so yeah. It, it, but I'm he, sure you he, can find it there. Yeah, he's definitely a creative poet. Definitely going to find his work. I will have to take a look at that. I, I I don't read a lot of poetry, but if there's something I that know. has a little bit of a different edge to it, then I enjoy poetry. It's just... Um, well, my mom was still a nurse at the CNA. Um, and, uh, Charmaine House is one of them. Mm-hmm. Cha-Cha. Um, he was one of the first people that put me in drag in San Diego. And, and his best uh, Charmaine House. Okay. But you Luis. say, oh, and she goes by Cha-Cha? Uh, Cha-Cha is his nickname. Um, Charmaine yeah. House was his drag name. He's kind of retired. I tried to get him to come out. Really amazing Aretha Franklin impersonator. Ooh. But didn't... Yeah, he, the last time I saw him perform was, you know, at a club called Destiny's in Tacoma that's no longer with us. Um, but he was a size 10 when I was younger, as we all were. I was also very itty-bitty back then. <laughs> and um, 
I, he recognized me before I recognized him, and I was screwed. That's how I started doing drag up here, because he outed me. <laughs> but um, drag actually, like writing, helped me uh, help save my life in a lot of ways. Um, I was very suicidal <laughs> a part of my life again. Um, those who heard my stories before, um, I struggled with that all growing up through junior high school and high school, and um, it's amazing how my life has turned around in my older years that I went from one extreme to now being someone who helps people to fight depression and mental illness. You end your life by reading your, your book, um, and then just conversations we've had. I have to say, you have had a very interesting I am the ultimate survival. I have survived abuse growing up, um, all forms of abuse. Um, and I'm not angry at my father or my mother for anything that's happened to me growing up. You know, it, the situations that were handed to me, they just are. And I don't have any blame or hatred for anybody for what, happened, what has happened to me in my life. Um, but they made me a stronger person. They made me able to share my stories in order to help someone who isn't as strong and is not at that mode of survival in their life. Um, you know, I've had a lot happen to me. You know, I probably, <laughs> me and some, one of my high school friends, uh, one of my best friends from school, Keisha, we used to joke about how I should be the, how not to be on Jerry Springer example on Jerry Springle <laughs> because how some of these people have went on the show and, oh my god I was abused in the show uh, you know me and my friend Keisha used to watch that show all the time together uh, growing up and she just looked at me she goes uh, can you go tell those people how to live please because they have nothing on what you survive um, you know and the, you know saying that everyone has had something in their lives that they've had to grow from or survive from. And no one, very, very few of us have had that perfect life. And for those who have, kudos to you. And I'm glad that you have had, never had to experience pain. But for me, that pain that I've learned and learned from and grew from has helped me become the writer I am and the social worker I am, and the advocate that I am, and the artist that I am. And I'm able to be a voice for other people because of what happened to me in my younger years. Well, I'm a firm believer in that old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's absolutely true, Ronnie, absolutely it true. true. It is true, and I'll tell you, it's kind of funny you mentioned Jerry Springer because I don't know if you remember this or not, but a friend uh -huh. of mine and I went on to Ricky Lake. I remember that very well. <laughs> the roommate that I had at one point in time who not only orchestrated a break-in at my house while we were in New York filming Ricky Lake, but she also took my debit card and cleaned me out of almost $10,000. Uh, so this was... The, the, the subject of the show that we were on was um, something to do. It was people who owed people money and uh, hadn't paid it back. 
And so we went on Ricky Lake, and everybody was very well behaved, and um, everything was nice. And I have said ever since that if we ever did another one of those shows, it would be Jerry Springer, because I sure as heck wanted to grab the biggest chair I could find and knock the snot out of her. And you can't throw chairs on Ricky Lake. You're not allowed to hit anybody with a chair on Ricky Lake. But Jerry Springer, man, I'd be making use of that chair, let me tell you. (laughs) And that would be my heathen mother, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say? We do, right. So you guys know out there, we do use that term heathen child or heathen mother. our, Our family is kind of like a fictive kinship. You know, we sometimes um, people don't have that family that's close to them by blood so they create their own and that's kind of what our circle of friends is um, with Ronnie and a few of us, she has several of us even children Um, one of them (laughs) I get to work with every day too so yeah yeah. yeah. and it is a close knit family we don't always all get along um, but at the end of the day, it's still love that we have for each other and the support for each mm-hmm. other. And, and again, for you, Ronnie, I, my books would not be a reality if it wasn't for you saying, no, enough with next year, it's now. Um, <laughs> and it's true. And you have inspired many people to start sharing their work as well. And you're getting the, the recognition you truly deserve now after all these years of your writing. Well, so you. I'm excited for you. And, you know, and us up-and-comers, you know, we have someone to look forward to, or look up to. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. I, I, when I read your book, I was not sure what to expect. Um, because, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I, I, I knew you as Forrest. I knew you as Lady Victoria. Um but I wasn't sure always what goes on behind the eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I, you had told me that if I read your book, I would go behind, you know, behind your eyes and see what you was going on inside of you. Yes, yeah, see yep. your And I was surprised to find that that was actually very true. And it gave me the opportunity to know you on different levels. Because, I mean, we go back. How, how far did we go back now, Forrest? 20-some years? Uh, almost 20 years, yeah. Yeah. So it gave me a look at a person that I had not known, that I didn't know, and that I was very glad to finally meet. And so I, I appreciate this book on that level as well because it did allow me to know you differently than I have known you for the last couple of decades so I, I want to thank you for that because it is an amazing collection of poetry and again it's called Journey to the Rainbows and uh, A Drag Queen's Odyssey and if you like poetry or even if you don't if you're just looking for something that is raw it's, it's intimate it's at times a bit brutal but it is definitely a glimpse into somebody's very soul, like what he just said. Uh, you should check yeah. out this book because it is definitely worth um, the read. And I think we're about out of time, so I want to take this time to thank everybody who is listening. We definitely appreciate you tuning in. 
And uh, Mark, I haven't met you yet, but I'm assuming that there's a coffee date in your future. Sorry, <laughs> <Bye>, Mark. <laughs> yes, leave it the boy toy. <laughs> and um, oh, I also want to thank Forrest. I want to thank you for coming back on this show because it's always Absolutely. a blast having you here. I just love it when you come on. And um, uh, it was amazing show, tonight. Thank you. It was wonderful. And I wanted to let you know uh, on March 7th, um, our guest will be uh, Vashti Q. Vega, who is oh, a nice. writer. Of, yes. She's a writer of, I guess you would call it supernatural. I'm not sure. Yeah. Fantasy slash supernatural, whatever. But um, she's an oh, excellent no, writer. And I, I think. The show with her is going to be just wonderful. And if you'd like to listen to some of our past shows, including the first one that Forrest did, and another show with an amazing Texas author named Jan Sykes, and I'll tell you, if you want to get a laugh and get some enjoyment out of an hour, listen to that show because it was just wonderful. Uh Uh, You can go to um, this Main page, just click the link that you click to listen to this one, and all of the episodes are there. I want to thank Greg, our our um, host tonight, for making this possible. We appreciate it so much, and uh, I will now turn this over to Greg so he can close out. So I hope you all have a good night, and Forrest, I will talk to you soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, everyone. And this is G.E. Shaw, Mix Our Radio tonight. You have just been listening to Ronnie and Friends. And on that note, I'm closing you out with Mirror Mirror by Diamond Ortiz and a few promos. This is G.E. Shaw. You have a good night.
Are you an independent musician? How would you like to have your songs played on hundreds of radio stations just like the one you're listening to right now? Join MusicSubmit.com and we'll promote your music to radio stations and blogs in your genre. It's free to set up your account and we guarantee your music will be considered for airplay by radio stations worldwide. Why not sign up today? It's free. MusicSubmit.com. Radio promotion for indie musicians. Hello, this is G.E. Shaw once again. If you've been thinking about learning how to get into a new career dealing with podcasting, online radio, streaming radio, all the different names out there, you ought to try out my friends at Anchor. That's www.anchor.fm. They will, they give you the best of everything for podcasting, especially people who just started now. Unlimited free hosting, which means you don't pay for it. One-click distribution. And this one-click distribution gets you to all the major players out there. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, every platform out there. Anchor does all the work. Monetization for podcasts, something new that Anchor has just bought on. If you want your listeners out there listening to you, and they love listening to you, have them make a donation. That's Anchor. And you can record from everywhere. Anchor. www.anchor.fm Check it out. You won't forget it. This is G.E. Shaw. Mix our radio.